Welcome back to the drop in everyone. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast, Melinda McDonald, and she is my acupuncturist and she's here to talk to us about stress according to tra traditional Chinese medicine. I'm really excited to be talking to her with Tanya. She has an abundance of knowledge um, and that's really felt in her treatment. She has a caring, gentle, intuitive approach with her clients and always has time to go above and beyond. Um, a bit about her stories that she found traditional Chinese medicine after her own journey, studying psychology, working in the corporate world as a senior business analyst and eventually finding the more holistic world through Reiki, yoga and massage. And the culmination of all of this was a light bulb moment where she experienced the power of TCM and she knew this was the path she had to follow. She's also taught and mentored students of TCM at the University of Technology in Sydney and has been practicing for over 18 years. Her passion and interests lie in women's health, fertility, preconception, IVF support, pregnancy, postpartum care, as well as anxiety and stress-related conditions. And you always feel safe, seen and supported in the hands of Melinda. Her treatments are a divine salve to the Russian stress of our busy lives. And she's always willing to share her wisdom and grace and ease. And I'm so excited to have her. Welcome, Melinda. Thank you welcome, so much Melinda. for having me. What a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always good to sing the praises. And yeah, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> All the oh, goodness. <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. And I am myself, I'm just so excited to talk with you. And yeah, I too have a deep love for acupuncture and uh, traditional Chinese medicine and share the, the energetic sides of the teaching that are kind of meshed with the yoga world and the yin yoga um, lineage. So yeah, just really excited to dive in and talk all about stress and women's health. And in order to kick things off with you, we'd love to understand how stress is viewed in the eyes of traditional Chinese medicine and what areas of our body, what areas of our psyche and the spirit that it affects. Okay. Um, well, this is a really big question um, because stress impacts us in so many different ways and all of our body, really. Um, but I will try and keep it simple and try to talk specifically in terms of the TCM framework. Um, so in simple terms, according to traditional Chinese medicine theory, stress causes the stagnation or congestion of qi and blood in the body. In Chinese medicine, emotions are really closely related to our organs and any excess negative emotions can injure those organs um, and their function and also the smooth flow of qi and blood throughout the body. Um, so stress affects the whole body, but it mainly affects the liver, the heart and the spleen organs. So mm. I'll talk mostly about those three. Um, and the most common manifestation that I see in the current sort of modern life is what we call liver chi stagnation. 
So in Chinese medicine, the liver's main role is to store blood and to maintain the smooth flow of qi and blood throughout the body. Um, the liver is related to the muscles and tendons, um, our emotional health, and also very closely related to our menstrual cycle for women. Uh, the hun, or the ethereal soul, is the spirit of the liver organ. And it's in charge of bringing the inner world and dreams into our awareness or intuition or fruition. Mm. The hun is linked to our dreams, the ones that are in our sleep, um, our aspirations, our human relationships, our creativity and our imagination. So therefore, when our liver is constrained or stagnated, um, we'll get symptoms like muscle tension and pain. We'll um, get feelings of anger or depression. We'll get really bad PMS symptoms such as painful breasts or emotional outbursts. The period will be irregular um, and there might be painful period cramps. Um, the liver can also stagnate and turn into liver fire, which can result in irritability, head, uh, headaches and migraines and red eyes. For um, my women, uh, for my fertility clients, um, they might experience uh, irregular periods or they might not even ovulate. And you might have clients who have PCOS, for example, or really bad painful cramps, either ovulation or during the period. And they might have a really long follicular phase because their body is having trouble to ovulate. It's that stuck energy. Um, their basal body temperature chart will be really choppy and mm. they might um, have an inability to orgasm and both men and women, and uh, men might even be impotent. And so, therefore, you know, their um, fertility as a couple is reduced. Um, these sort of patients will have a really wiry pulse in the liver position and the, the edges of their tongue will be red. So, yeah, there's lots of ways it can manifest. It will always be different for each individual, but that's how we would diagnose someone with liver cheese stagnation, for example, and it's extremely mm. common. You can have also several different patterns at the same time. Um, so stress can also manifest in the heart and as heart chi or blood stagnation. So in Chinese medicine, the heart governs the blood flow, um, the vessels and the function of all of our internal organs. It's also called the emperor and it's a supreme ruler of our organs and our mind as well. The shen, which is also the spirit of the heart organ, it plays a key role in how we process our interactions with others and our external stimuli allowing us to be loved or to love other people. Um, so it's linked to our sense of identity, consciousness, insight and memory and allows us to be fully in touch with who we are. So therefore, when our heart is constrained, we'll get symptoms like palpitations, anxiety, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, restlessness, sadness or even insomnia. And the heart also has a very special connection with the uterus. So I will talk about that um, in more detail as well. Um, 
we have a uterus channel also called the bowel my and so this is how the heart very directly impacts all of a woman's menstrual cycle fertility um, their ability to hold and maintain a pregnancy for example um, so when there's a problem with the heart channel or the heart organ a woman might have um, lots of clots in their period. The blood flow might be really purple and stagnant. Um, the pulse position in the heart position will be maybe choppy. Um, and you'll see uh, a red tip at the end of their tongue. And underneath their tongue, you'll see a thick sublingual vein. So lots of symptoms of blood stagnation. Um, so just coming back to that um, uterus channel, because I think that's really important for this topic about women's health. Um, so there's an extra channel called the baumai. And if you visualise, the heart basically has this special passageway directly to the uterus. The heart pumps the blood and rhythmically fills and empties the blood into the uterus. So every month the blood comes down from the heart and goes down to the bowel mine and settles down in the uterus and allows the uterus to potentially nourish an embryo. The heartbeat indicates a surging of life and while the uterus is where the life, um, sorry, I repeat that, the heartbeat indicates a surging of life while the uterus is where the life grows and is protected. Um, the uterus is also seen as a woman's second heart. Mm -hmm. So this relationship um, explains why the influence of mental and emotional problems um, have such a big impact on period or fertility issues for women. Um, it needs, this pathway needs to be unobstructed in order for the period to flow freely without any problems and for a woman to be able to conceive and to have a baby. Um, but the heart, as we know, is also extremely susceptible to emotional stress and anxiety, and that can therefore impact the health of the uterus. So in Chinese medicine, um, it's really important that this is kept open um, and the energy is allowed to be able to flow very freely between those two organs um, for conception. Yeah, awesome. Um, I have yeah. a few questions already. I think there's okay. a lot to unpack, unpack there. Yeah, um, yeah definitely around uh, as soon as you started talking about liver and heart, it kind of made me think of the seasons that we're kind of currently in, which is like spring into summer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I just wonder how that in itself affects the the change in our systems at this time like do you find in clinic that you kind of see these symptoms or maybe situations ramp up in clinic around this time absolutely I see especially as we come into spring because spring is yet yeah, going into the liver wood energy if we're talking five elements and energy is supposed to be able to expand and rise like spring. Um, but if somebody's being repressed, if their emotions are being repressed, they're not happy, they're not doing what they want to do or expressing themselves, 
they're in an unhappy job, um, they're being overworked, um, they're not exercising or moving enough, then all that chi, liver chi gets really repressed. And you'll see a lot of anger and a lot of um, even emotional depression potentially um, around this time when really it should be the opposite. We should be getting a bit more out, a bit more social, being able to healthily express our emotions and our feelings. Um, and then, of course, so wood leads on to the fire element, which is the heart element. And if you're, as with five element energy, if one is not being properly expressed or flowing freely, then it impacts the next stage. So then it leads on to the heart organ and then that's, you know, you'll get more stagnation. In a way it's deeper because then you're affecting not just chi but also the blood flow. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where the difference you'll see. So with liver, it does have a dual role. It stores blood but it mostly impacts that free flow of chi, whereas the heart has a more specific role to impact both the chi and the blood. So you'll start to see the blood actually be really purple. Whereas in liver chi stasis, a woman might be more just like they just feel really tense and their chest, they're really constrained around that hypochondriac region of the ribs, really tight and muscle tension. Um, I find those women respond really quickly with acupuncture. But when you start going deeper into the blood level, um, you know, they're the ones that need more herbal medicine and more internal medicine to shift things. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And I think as well, just to add on to Aggie's question, so do you, because you were talking about the stress for the liver, the um, uh, heart, and then the spleen, did you say as well, which I know yeah. you'll probably get into. And um, so at springtime, the stress, the way it's showing up in the body, is that more prevalent liver? And then in summer, is it more prevalent that women's health stress shows up in the heart? Is that kind of a, a nuance that you see or not so much? Yeah, theoretically, according yeah. to classics, um, it's hard in Australia because we don't have such defined seasons. But I, I definitely notice the spring shift because, you know, in spring we always there's always a lot more wind as mm. well. Um, yeah. And then there's this, we have this weird sort of spring-summer transition where it can suddenly get really hot. So sometimes it's hard to know exactly when summer has hit. Um, but I, you do see it in clinic and you see it in individuals. Our, in Australia as well, our summer seems to coincide with Christmas and family mm. time. And the two emotions of summer and uh, fire element are sadness and joy. And so mm. people do get a little bit more melancholy and a little bit more sad because they might also be alone and that heart uh organ is not being nourished mm. in a way. Mm. Um, or they are if they're getting out and being social as they should be and um, being outgoing and active and getting out into the summer then their heart is fulfilled but if they're not you can get yeah definitely that heart cheese stasis or some people have social anxiety and you'll see a lot of um, anxiety manifest around that time of year yeah, I was going to say like it can kind of go the other way as well where um, maybe you're doing too much socialising as well around that time of the year. 
Um, and I, I wonder if that also affects the heart. Absolutely, because it, like in Chinese medicine, but in any medicine, um, it's all about balance. You can have too much of a good thing. So whilst the emotions linked to sama are joy and sadness, you can have too much joy, <laughs> which sounds weird, but you can go mania. Yeah. yeah, exactly, mania and mm. excessive. And you can use up all of your chi and blood and energy and then be depleted. And then you're going into the autumn-winter phase and you've got no resources. Mm. So absolutely, yeah, you can have too much and it can manifest in that way as well. And then I think the other thing I'd love to maybe expand on is it sounds like, and I think I have a bit of an understanding of this, but maybe just for our listeners, um, this idea of chi and blood being so... Uh, I guess, the cornerstones of traditional Chinese medicine and maybe expanding on that a little bit. I, I don't know what the, exactly what the question is there, but Absolutely. just maybe it's, defining it a little bit for yes, people. I think it's a really good I, question. I probably should have defined it. Like I said, it's a very big question without going into it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but they I are, think as well to taper it down, <laughs> It's like, why should we be concerned with that? Why should yeah. we be concerned with the chi? Yeah. Why should we be concerned with and knowing about the blood? Does that feel more what you're so, wanting to know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. chi is often misinterpreted. People directly translate it as energy, and that's not really doing it justice. Chi, uh, even I can't do it complete justice without understanding the character chi. However, what it, it encompasses so many things chi is not just energy it's also function and form and um so chi has a purpose chi is warming and moving and it makes all of the systems and organs in the body function and do their thing um if that makes sense whereas and so it, it is the more yang energetic aspect. Then when I talk about blood, I mean, I'm not just talking about iron, for example. I'm talking about all of the nutrients that fill up our blood vessels. It's the more physical aspect that we see. Um, and I'm talking about, yeah, all of every aspect of your blood um, inside your blood vessels, but nutrients and if that makes sense. And blood also. More yin. Yeah, it's relatively more yin than the chi. Mm. Um, it's more substantial. You can put your finger on it, whereas chi is a harder concept to grasp. But they both, uh, like yin and yang, they work together. You can't have one without the other. So blood needs to not just be blood it needs to move and flow and has a certain purpose and chi can't just be without any substance it needs the blood to also do its thing so they work mm -hmm. synergistically together and why is that important is because they are the cornerstone of everything in our body that makes everything function it enables us to digest the food that we eat and enables us to get out of bed in the morning, enables us to have energy, and then it also enables us to sleep 
at night. So if you don't have enough of anything, like especially blood, is so the yin aspect is really important in the evening time to anchor us and calm us down so we can have a good night's sleep. It's like if you try to go to bed and you haven't eaten enough, um, be it uh, protein or starchy carbohydrates or something. If you've ever gone to bed hungry, you know what that's like. You can't sleep. So we need to have a certain amount of blood in our body to calm us down. But we also need that chi and energy in the morning to get us up out of bed and to make us move and function and um, uh, do everything. And it's also important that it's being circulated throughout the entire body. You might kind of, you can look at your body like a, a machine or a car, for example, and the petrol is, you know, that chi and blood that you're filling it up with. Um, probably more likened to blood in a way. But if you try and do all of your bodily functions on 5% empty tank, you're not going to be very effective. And um, just like your body, if you're really low in blood, it will go automatically to just your vital organs. So mm. this, I see this all the time in women in clinic they're extremely blood deficient and anemic and really low in iron. They might be within the normal blood reference ranges, which on a pathological lab, path lab in, a, in Australia, the ranges for um, ferritin, for example, which is stored iron, can range anywhere from 15 to 200 units and be considered normal. Uh, now that's the massive- range. <laughs> And that's considered a normal blood range. And a lot of average doctors will say, if you're in that range, you're fine. What are you complaining about? Uh, But there's a massive difference between having 15 units of ferritin and having 200 units. And so if you're at that 15, 10 to 15 level, you're barely existing. Like you're barely, um, you might have really, really um, light periods or really excessively heavy periods and constantly losing blood, you're not going to be able to um, hold and maintain a pregnancy or it's going to be very dangerous for you. Um, and it's like I've heard it uh, explained once um, really well. If you look at it in dollar values, it's the difference between earning 15000 a year or earning 200000 a year. You're either surviving at the poverty line like below poverty maybe um or you're thriving and yeah trying to make a baby you want to be thriving you want to be at least 100 units like you want to have enough so our body's very smart if you're only giving it the bare minimum it's just going to go to your vital organs it's going to um prioritize it for basic survival you'll go to your brain your heart your lungs and you'll survive, um, but you won't be able to have a period and you won't be able to make a baby because reproduction is seen as much further down the hierarchy of survival. So when you're in that constant state of stress, for example, um, and we talk about the flight or fright response, the sympathetic nervous system constantly being on if you're constantly stressed, um, your body's just thinking of how it's going to survive and how it's going to run away from that tiger. It's not thinking, okay, we need to ovulate, we need to have a period, we need to build up a nice, you know, 
nourish uterus, we need to make a baby, it is not thinking about that at all. So that's also how stress can impact us, whether even if you have enough of the resources. But often there's, I see both in clinic um, quite commonly, too much stress and also not enough resources um, Mm -hmm. to do all the extra things the body needs to do in order to have a proper period in order to make a baby. Yeah, and I think what you say there is really important. It's not... It's not just that the goal is to do all these things and manage all these things into balance in order to have a baby. It's in order to feel vital and well and balanced and have the energy you want to live your life, to do the things you want to do and to support all your bodily systems because women's health is like getting our body to that point where that is a possibility if we want to take it down for our body to be able to have a baby but if not our body should just be already in that state because that is the healthiest state for us to be in and so it's like if these other things are depleted and lagging, yeah, um, yeah, we're going to feel it in all the other areas of life, even if we are not seeking, yeah, to conceive. Um, Absolutely, it's something mean, that I observe in women so much today, and I'm sure you see this in clinic all the time. Like, I'm just so curious about when you look at women today and women's health, and like the biggest things that are showing up for you when you see and think about women and the biggest stresses, like. What, what do you, you know how we have these, we often have these big opinions and beliefs. I'd love to know when you look at women's health and the stress of modern life, like what are the big things you see that are really impacting us um, in the modern world? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think stress is massive and it's so far reaching. And I think in some ways women, women have it harder in some ways. I, I have to be careful how I say that. but I agree with you, though. Yeah. 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 We, have more, mean, we have more sensitive bodies. There's more going yeah, on. I, I mean, I love that women now have equal rights and if they want to have a career, they can, and I think that's fantastic and so they should and women should be able to choose. I mean, the positive, they can choose. You don't have to have a baby. We don't have to recreate anymore. We have enough you know, population. We don't have to rely on that. Back in the day, that was a survival aspect. Um, But now the problem is we're in that transition of women fitting into what was a system that was designed for men, let's face it. And Mm -hmm. so now you have women who are trying to work like a man but make a baby like a woman and those mm. two things really clash, unfortunately. Yeah. And they shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to choose between the two. Women should be able to still have successful careers but also still be able to nurture that female side, not in the purpose of having a baby necessarily but even just to have a healthy um, period, for example, not be suffering every month mm. and going like a through a connection that with their femininity as more, well. Yeah, absolutely, and more respect and consideration for the fact that we are hormonally and physically different to men and respecting that and yeah. that it's okay that we are. Um, yeah, I agree, should... like kind of dropping those harder edges that maybe yeah. society puts on us. Um, to perform or yeah yeah absolutely like women overdo it uh, because they feel they have to you know they're working in industries where uh, men can work 50 to 60 hours a week and they're fine Um, but 
I would argue that often it's because there's a woman at home managing everything mm -hmm. for them. But <laughs> there are different cases in every um, situation, but we are hormonally different. We all have ebbs and flows throughout a month where we feel better and we should be resting um, during our period and other times when we will have more energy and understanding that and having a flexible work environment that considers that. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's this sense of like we need to respect our our biology, you know, and not mm. ignore it and not try to hack it and pretend that it's something that it is not because we end up harming it. We end up, yeah, we end up harming our bodies. And that's, I love that this is the thing that you say is this like on, we need to almost unpack this conditioning that is part of our culture and our society is the biggest thing impacting our health as women these days. And I'm sure you agree on that note, Agatha, because this is kind of what we speak into all the time yeah. with our rest practices, with entrepreneurship, with cycle syncing, with tracking your cycle, like really getting to know our bodies and listen to them and know our energy and like move from that place is important um, for whatever gender you are or sex you are, because it's about feeling that power from, oh, this is my energy today. Can I meet that? And um, yeah, for us to stop trying to fit in. And I think what it takes, it takes awareness of what's going on, like stopping, stepping back, slowing down enough to have that awareness of like, oh, where did I pick up all these stories and belief and systems and structures that are around me? I mean, it starts in school and how can I slow down enough to start to unpack that and find my own rhythm and my own speed and my own pace? And I feel like that's the beginning step before we even start then laying on therapeutic treatment. Um, but sometimes Absolutely. treatment gives us that space to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that as well. I think like maybe that's one of the biggest gifts that having acupuncture has given me just like that space to be with my body, with my chi, with my blood, <laughs> whatever we want to call it. But um, yeah, just I think Melinda's kind of seen me through the ebbs and flows of different um symptoms and conditions and stages in my life as well um, hormonally and I think it's just given me a real sense of understanding and awareness of my body as well. Um, I think now compared to when I first came I really have an understanding of where I'm at and so I can kind of direct the treatment as well in my own way by by showing up with this is how I'm feeling um mm. and I don't think I was able to do that whenever it was that I started like four or five years ago um so it's been a, a really big gift in just being able to pause um and obviously have all the all the magic that happens mm. um in clinic as well yeah, yeah I wonder if you've seen you see that as well um with people who are maybe a little bit more body aware and how that then transforms the treatment that you give people because that's really interesting now that I've kind of thought about it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that because I do remember when I first met you, you were still very heavily in your old world of yeah. business, your past. Like advertising, advertising and all of that. Yeah. You were still working for another company and, um you were far less in touch with your body then 
I, I think you knew Absolutely. you were and you were trying to be more in touch, but now you are so much more in touch with your body and I see that you actually, not that this is essential for acupuncture, but I see that you get a lot more out of a, a session and I mm. also have adapted, I don't have to put as many pins in or go as tough with you. Uh, remember we used to do a lot of other muscles oh, yeah. <laughs> as well and now you're actually more sensitive and far more in tune with your body and I can see you, I think, benefiting more from it in a way. Yeah, that's really that. interesting mm. how like love as, mm. the, as the sessions progress there's like mm. a more subtle level um, that yes. you can kind of drop mm. into. And I've, I mean, I change, I do change my style anyway based on the person who's in front of me because some people are more sensitive anyway. So some people do report all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, anything can happen on an acupuncture table, but people, I'll put a pin in the hand, for example, and they'll be like, I felt that down in my foot. And um, so they'll have some physical things, but I also, because we're talking about stress and emotional things, I... I can't count how many times I've made people cry on the table and not in pain, I hope. <laughs> so many people. I can attest have, to the emotional release. <laughs> so many people yeah. have an emotional release on the table, um, which I love. I'm really, I've, I feel very blessed and honoured that they feel safe and able to do that on the table but that is one of the really beautiful things that acupuncture can do um is i tell people i don't make them cry but i help the acupuncture helps release those tears so they've obviously been sitting there somewhere inside that person and i've just facilitated that release um and it's really satisfying uh, to see that happen and it's quite an honour actually to be part of that and that's where I really, when people have a, an emotional release um, and they don't expect it, they're coming in feeling okay, <laughs> they think they're okay um, and they have this massive release and sometimes they tell me and explain exactly what's happened. Um, other times it's just tears and they they apologize which they shouldn't because as women we always apologize too much right um and they they don't know where it's coming from sometimes um mm. but yeah it's amazing and i often get messages later on or the next day and sometimes people have their release a bit later in private but they feel some really profound changes um so yeah it's um a lot of things can happen. I always celebrate that that cry. I'm always like, Melinda, I cried, yay. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like it's 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 you one should. less thing stored in your tissues absolutely. in your body. Better, You're like, oh, it's one less thing free. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I don't make the tears, it's um it's just releasing it. So it is mm. far better to that is more like a liver quality, this tear. I mean, I know that the eyes are tears related would be to more liver. Heart. Tears heart. would actually, okay. the eyes are related to liver, but that's more like the red eyes, red and liver fire. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
tears and crying is more of a heart symptom. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, they're so closely related. You can have both patterns happening at the same time. Um, So that's it. Chinese medicine is so complicated and also every organ is intricately related. Um, So it doesn't just because it manifests something, it might be coming originally from maybe a lung issue. Lung is also related to grief. Mm. So it it can really depend. But tears, if if I was just to say one thing, it would be more of a heart. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make as well as to like how interwoven all these things and um, I think organs at, at least from my understanding they seem to be very connected and it, it isn't exactly like linear uh, and separated um, and no. they kind of and we, speak to each other absolutely and we aren't um, linear creatures uh, even if we look in the western medical uh, framework everything is interconnected and at a cellular level so and the hormones for example it's all based on feedback loops and you know one thing will stimulate another thing it's all very much intricately connected as well um, so all of our hormones are stimulated and released by through our endocrine system but that comes from you know, a lot of the time in our brain, our pituitary gland and our response to our external stimuli sets off a whole cascade of hormonal changes. Yeah, thank you. I really, I want to know, but I want to ask, circle back to something before we go to how women can support themselves with managing their stress-related um, illnesses. But before we go there, could you just quickly touch on the the spleen um Absolutely. element yeah we just we skip past that like how is stress for you in, in the spleen um and then we'll yeah, talk about really what we question. can all do to mm, support ourselves. really good question and when mm. i say spleen i'm talking about how we talk about it in chinese medicine terms because you can have your spleen organ removed um people do and you can still survive without it i'm talking it's probably more correctly translated as spleen pancreas um but in any case we'll use it interchangeably in chinese medicine when we say we use the term spleen a lot (laughs) um it really is just our digestive system okay so Mm -hmm. stress uh affects it a little different to heart and liver instead of creating stagnation it's more that it depletes it So you end up with a pattern called spleen chi deficiency, um, which over time can turn into an accumulation of dampness and phlegm. So in Chinese medicine, the spleen governs our digestion. It takes all the food and water and air that we um, eat, not the air, but, you know, the food that we eat, (laughs) and it transforms and transports it throughout the whole body and provides the body with nourishment from that. The yi is the spirit of the spleen 
and it helps us to think, study, memorize, focus, concentrate, and generate thoughts. Mm. So therefore, when our spleen is impacted, we'll experience a lot of digestive symptoms, so abdominal bloating, reduced appetite, maybe even cramps. Um, the spleen's also in charge of digesting water, so if it starts to uh, weaken, you'll get an accumulation of water which will turn into dampness in the body and you might be tired or lethargic or feel really heavy in the body and the limbs and maybe even have uh, really loose or watery bowel movements. Um, so the yi, the spirit of the spleen, which is also translated as logic, okay, it can also poorly digest our thoughts. And so we might end up with a congestion of thoughts, overthinking, um, poor concentration or a foggy brain. And how I see it manifest in clinic often is women might have gut issues, malabsorption. They might eat healthy but nothing's going in. Um, they have maybe low iron or even anemia. Um, and they may even have um, hypothyroidism and very light or no periods, or they might have the opposite and have excessively heavy periods because the spleen is also in charge of governing and keeping the blood in the vessels on some level. Um, and these women have really low energy and they might either be really, really super thin or anorexic or even overweight. Um, mm. So with fertility clients specifically, they'll have like a really thin endometrium lining maybe or just a, not a very nourishing lining. Um, you might see it as repeated miscarriage in clinic or they might um, have a lot of spotting before their period comes. Um, again, that blood not being controlled and held in the vessels enough, not enough spleen chi to hold it in. Um, they might have low progesterone or low basal body temperatures and they might also be overweight and have polycystic ovarian syndrome and have too much dampness or excess cysts in their uterus um, or ovaries. Their pulse will generally either be weak or hollow and empty or they might have like this really slippery sort of dampness quality. Their tongue is usually really swollen and enlarged and they'll have teeth marks on the sides um, and they might also have a thick coating depending on the level of dampness um, they have. Mm. Yeah. The emotions associated with the spleen element are worry and overthinking. So you can, like with the heart, you can have too much joy. You can also over-worry and overthink. So a certain amount of logic and thinking is normal because we need to process our thoughts as, as we process our food. We need to decipher things and separate the good from the bad um, but you can overdo that and too much excess worry and thinking can also cause spleen chi deficiency yeah i'm relating to some of those things you just said so. <laughs> <laughs> 
um yeah i find that really interesting as well around um i'm always really curious whenever you check the pulse in a session um and that little i guess for anyone who hasn't had an acupuncture session um just this like little magic moment where you check our pulse and somehow decipher what what the treatment's going to be. I find that really cool. Um, so it's nice to get a bit of an understanding as to, I guess, what you're reading into there. Um, and I think it's interesting to kind of focus on those three areas of liver, heart and spleen as well um, that you've touched on in terms of women's health. And it seems like there's a lot that almost overlaps um, with those three and how things might almost manifest in the body um, for women particularly. So I'm just curious, like, in terms of, like, those three areas of liver, heart and spleen, which one or what areas do you think that as women or maybe in general through clinic you you think that we can be like focusing on or if there are things that maybe you see on a regular that you're like oh yeah that's definitely liver that's definitely heart or spleen and how and what you recommend for your clients around those three things outside of acupuncture of course mm-hmm yeah, um, that's a good question. And, yes, often, uh, as I mentioned before, you can have all three patterns. So having mm-hmm. one pattern doesn't mean you don't have another one. Often our uh, our challenge in clinic as a practitioner is trying to decipher which one of those is the most prevalent for that patient um, and what proportion of treatment we need to focus on or what advice we need to give them. So what is the fundamental problem? So, for example, if you have someone who has low iron, um, so if you have, if you think of a river that's not full, it might be really low tide, um, it will become choppy. So that person might manifest almost, like okay does this person have stagnation or do they have deficiency and often Mm. um, you can have both Mm. so what what's causing what do i just move the chair and blood and hope that it sorts it out or is there not enough blood in the first place and we need to fill the river first and then that will smooth it out by itself so it's kind of working out which one comes first of course um and what i that's the importance of not just taking their signs and symptoms is also feeling the person. So I not only feel the pulse, I'll often sometimes feel the the abdomen and feel the uterus. I'll be looking for heat. I'll be looking for cold. I'll be looking for excess or deficiency. I often press quite firmly sometimes on the channels and acupuncture points because every part of the body tells me something. Um, cold feet, for example, might tell me, okay, this person has really poor circulation. Is it because there's not enough or is it because the cheese blocked somewhere? Um, so we're constantly looking at that. And there's sometimes it's um, you have both. 
there's a blockage as well as too little. So you've got to make sure mm. you are balancing both of those things. In terms of advice for my patients, besides just having acupuncture, <laughs> um, I have to be honest with a lot of gynecological conditions. Um, they also need internal medicine because you're dealing with um, substantial things like blood. Um, so I do often recommend herbs. Also, because realistically, people can't afford to see me every day. You know, in China, um, acupuncture is heavily subsidized by the government and you go into hospital every day and you have acupuncture until you're better. Um, or in, gyneco in the gynecology department, it's just all Chinese herbs usually. So you're giving something for that patient to take every single day, not just once a week or once a fortnight, which is the reality of living in Sydney and Australia. You Usually you'll see your acupuncturist maybe only once a week or once a fortnight. Um, so the herbal medicine is important to give them something in between to continue the treatment. If they need it, they might not. In some cases, um, I don't, if a patient is really good at doing their homework, um, I will give them lots of things to read. I will help um, teach them about Chinese medicine dietary therapy and how best they could eat better to nourish their blood better and get more out of their out of the food that they eat. We prefer food to be cooked and not raw generally and warming foods over cooling foods are usually better. And this is mostly focusing on women's health um, because blood should be warming and moving and nurturing and so should our food. And if we think about the spleen is our digestive um, system, um, the way to look at our spleen and stomach and our digestive system is like a big cauldron sitting on a fire and the fire is the digestive fire and the pot is your stomach. So you, whatever you're putting into that pot, it needs to be broken down and digested. So first of all, you don't want to overfill it like an overfull washing machine, otherwise nothing can move and digest. And secondly, if you put cold, raw, damp foods in, it's going to take a lot more chi and energy to digest and break it down and absorb any nutrients. So it's better to be, you know, gently cooked, um, maybe even slow cooked or soups and stews are going to keep that digestive fire um, more vibrant and you're able to digest and absorb a lot more nutrients out of your food. So giving, sort of explaining that to these women because a lot of women, especially young girls coming in with painful periods or no periods, um, they're eating cold raw smoothies every day, they're hitting the gym every day, they're doing high-intensity workouts or they're fasting, um, they're having coffee before they eat any food. Um, so I have to retrain them to think, okay, what is that doing to your body and this might be why you're not getting a period or, you know, you're getting painful cramps. Um, so it is, is a lot of re-education um mm. so coffee before um, food for example that will spike your cortisol levels and set off a whole cascade of <laughs> problems with your hormones 
uh, you, it keeps your body in that state of um, flight or fright for longer in the parasympathetic um, state and it will exacerbate things like anxiety and stress. Puts more anything like that the body sees as stress. Um, Over-exercising, the body also sees that as stress and, again, your cortisol and adrenal system, everything gets depleted. These things are constantly being drained and stimulated um, when, you know, when they shouldn't be. And so over time, you know, women become really depleted. So, yeah, retraining, helping them to understand the importance of food but also lifestyle and exercise and what's appropriate and when. Um, I often for people who are very stressed, I can't unfortunately tell them to quit their job, even though I sometimes um or find a you know a better job that they enjoy. And don't forget our heart chi really needs to have that um that joy in our life. So they need to be enjoying their jobs as well. Um so I might explain to them, therefore, okay, so there's things you can change and things you can't and there's things you can do yourself. So managing that workplace, whatever that might be, but also having boundaries around their work hours, not taking work home or not overdoing it, um, setting limits for themselves and little homeworks like um, guided meditation. I often, for people who've never meditated before in their life, I often suggest they start maybe with some guided meditation just to ease into that. And I liken that for them as like taking a supplement. You know, you go home, you do that every day, not just, you know, occasionally to, you know, to calm that, you know, you know the benefits of meditation, (laughs) yin yoga, um, and sort of trying to get them to do more of those sort of exercises like yin yoga uh, rather than high-intensity workouts all the time um, and talk to them about the benefits of that. But yeah, diet and lifestyle, really, really important. Um, yeah. Lots of little yeah, home things. I, I yeah. like that. I think it makes it manageable for people depending on where they're, they're kind of entering their journey with you as well. Um, it sounds like you really cater it to them uh, based on where where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like depending where they're at, I might just start with one thing. I'll say, okay, this is your homework this week. Can you stop drinking three cups of coffee a day and please have some food before you have your first <laughs> cup of coffee? <laughs> and that might be their homework. And then we'll build on from there. Um, yeah, it's just um, I like that the education part is a part of the, the process of healthy, healthy living, um, you know, wellness. And I think um, you are not alone, you and any wellness practitioner, health and wellness practitioner ever would like to tell a lot of people to quit their jobs to create more happiness. (laughs) I was talking to someone else recently who's also works in the health and wellness space and she said the same thing. She's like, I can't tell them that, but I do make them really sit in contemplation and reflection with what the impact of that is in their life. And I think that's that's all that's as far as we can go. Yeah. Even with tarot, I I find the Mm -hmm. same thing. It's like we can kind of dabble around the edge <laughs> yeah but yoga too, gonna tell suggest. you what to do yeah, yeah. we invite <laughs> contemplation yeah and awareness yeah. So, amazing 
and, and I think often they come to the conclusion themselves. If it's yeah, really, really bad, um, yeah. they come to that conclusion. But it's, I guess, at the end of the day, it's not our job to tell them what to do. Um, I provide the advice and my opinion on things. Um, and sometimes they have to come to that journey themselves. But, yeah, yeah. In, in an ideal world, we can all go and meditate and sit in a nice cave <laughs> and live peacefully. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. Um, on that note, I guess uh, turning it back to yourself, um, how do you find that you drop into your truth? What are the things that you do for yourself? Yeah, so I guess this is constantly changing and evolving as I learn more about myself and as I get older. Um, I, being a health practitioner, I'm seeing patients constantly every day, giving of myself a lot. And I, it is very mentally draining, even though I absolutely love what I do. Um, and people who know me, um, I'm very social on one hand, but I'm also an introvert. And my, the way for me to recharge myself is actually having time to myself and just sort of having a bit of quiet time or a bit of alone time. I like to go for walks um, and saying no to things, which I find really hard because I also suffer from FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm often overcommitting myself to a lot of social activities especially this time of year um but um yeah the way I come back to myself is sort of yeah deciding what is the what are the most important things for me to be doing and what's the best thing for me to do in that moment I'm a huge fan of naps so mm. I love a good daytime nap even just 20 minutes um because I can only have one coffee a day. I'll have one in the morning and that's it. Um, so if I need to be recharge myself in the afternoon, if I've got a big long day ahead or I'm going out in the night, I would definitely put a nap in there somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I also love, you know, I have a huge toolkit of self-care um, goodies. So I love acupuncture. So I will either give myself acupuncture or I'll go and have acupuncture with another practitioner. I love remedial massage. Um, and even I like just tuning out and escaping in a good movie um, and yeah. sitting on the couch. I'm not, the <laughs> I'm not the person that's going to go for a run. That's never been me. I'll walk um, or swim in the ocean or something, but... I'll often just sit and watch a movie. It's also how I like to veg out. <laughs> yeah, I love, love it. it. It's like alone time. Alone time is most of our answers in many ways or, <laughs> yeah, to help us all drop back in. Beautiful. And if people want to work with you, um, where can they find you? Um, yes, so I currently practice in two locations, um, in Redfern and in the CBD of Sydney. Um, all of my information is on my website. Um, they're both close to public transport. Um, in Redfern, it's my home 
clinic um, and in Sydney, in the city, I work in a multidisciplinary clinic with a bunch of other practitioners. So it's a nice complement um, between the two. And I mostly see people face-to-face -to, -face, um, to do initial diagnosis and treatment. I, I have a very hands-on approach with how I diagnose, so a lot of palpating, pulse, tongue and everything. But I do do telehealth um, as well. And so I have done a few, especially fertility clients, who often get referred to me interstate. Uh, which is really, really cool and it's quite an honour when you someone from Queensland has found out about you through their friend. Yeah. Um, so I can do most of my console and, I, and then I put some herbs and supplements in the mail for them and um, I can email them all of my lifestyle advice tips and things. Um, but my preference is always to put pins in people, so come in and have acupuncture and hop on the table um yeah. yeah amazing and we'll add all that info um into the into the bio so um people can find you thank you what i'm also the website? Instagram what, yeah, well. uh, yeah what yeah, is your instagram. website and your instagram if you can just tell everyone um so it's it's my name with acupuncture so melinda mcdonald acupuncture my Instagram and Facebook handle um, and I try to make informative posts on Instagram and try to teach people about self-care tips and health tips and specifically around women's health um, it's my big focus but I also love um, funny memes and videos and I have a bit of a funny sense of humor as well yeah <laughs> so. you keep that light on there light <laughs> <laughs> <Watch> as well <laughs> yeah Thanks so much, Melinda, for your time and for all your wisdom and your knowledge. Um, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot about kind of what goes on behind the scenes <laughs> of a treatment. And, yeah, I'm just so happy to have you as part of my um, my, my team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, Melinda. You. Yeah. Thank you so much, both of you, for inviting me on here. It's a privilege and honour and I could probably talk for a whole another hour at least about some of those <laughs> sure, <laughs> but we'll I hope to have you back <laughs> I hope you got something useful about um out of that um one thing I forgot to mention but that could maybe be a whole another topic is um how Chinese medicine views like women's health and their different hormonal stages um, and these mm. were written in classical texts from over 2,000 years ago um, but still relevant today. But they viewed the woman as having a basically a seven-year cycle cool. and they explain yeah. the stage of what that means and what physically happens to that woman and, yeah, and so... Yeah, I, I think that's a whole nother There's a topic. lot to, yeah, there's a lot to dig out of that. I Absolutely. Think we could, we, I, I help a lot of women too with menopause and perimenopause, which is mm. also an area that's often um, not focused on a lot. So, yeah, there, we've barely scratched the surface, but. Um, we, can, we can put a pin in that quite <laughs> <absolutely>. literally. <laughs> um, Thank you, Melinda. It's been an absolute treat. Um, and maybe so we'll have you on again soon. <laughs> Thanks a lot.